Welcome to the Talent Acquisition Innovators Radio, the podcast for talent acquisition aficionados, HR lovers, and recruitment professionals out there looking to get inspired and challenge traditional approaches to hiring. Here, we'll discuss the ins and outs of the recruitment process, engaging fresh talent, managing tough internal hiring dilemmas, and of course, the future of talent acquisition. I'm your host, Sim Samra from Recruitee. I'll be quizzing the experts, asking the burning questions, and of course, bringing you great guests each episode. By the end of every episode, we'll offer a few hypotheticals and of course, tips to take back to your team and workplace. Welcome. Today, I'm joined by Katya Stepanova. She's the Wellbeing Advisor and Program Manager at NAC. And in this podcast, we'll be talking about workplace wellness. Katya, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Thank you, Sim, for having me. I'm super excited to be here. What I do is I'm a program manager at NAC and a well-being advisor there. We started uh, as a consultancy and we focused on team leads and the teams they lead. And we're focusing on learning and development programs and team building activities. And then with the start of pandemic, and we realized that more attention is needed towards well-being. So, so we spent a few months researching the topic very, very thoroughly with the whole team and then decided to embark on a new adventure and create a well-being online platform, which is called Quan. And I will share a little bit more about it today and from the research that I've done for it and still continuing doing it. So that's, that's me. What can companies do to encourage workplace wellness goals? First of all, I would like to share a little bit, um, talk a little bit about the difference between wellness and well-being, because sometimes these terms used interchangeably, and actually, they're not quite the same thing. Because I would say wellness is included in well-being, but well-being is a bit broader. Because wellness is could be some health initiatives. Uh, I don't know, healthy breakfast included in uh, companies marathons yoga classes that a company provides or paying for employee fitness cards, simply that, but it's mostly everything connected to physical health. Whereas wellness includes mental health as well and other components. So well-being, it's a rather new topic which has not been discovered and researched up until what what I would say less than 50 years. When, when do we have that term? Um, but it has not been embraced in a corporate world in full depth yet, but now is the time. And um, in Quan, we suggest uh, that you can look at well-being from five different dimensions. It's body, mind, meaning, self-fulfillment, and social connectedness. So we we base our framework on tons of research and uh, supported by uh, academia. So we have organizational psychologists and team neuroscientists who support this framework as well. And we suggest that well-being could be looked uh, from these five dimensions. So that's a little bit about difference between wellness and well-being. So coming back to your questions, what can companies do to encourage workplace wellness goals? Yeah, what I mentioned before, uh, healthy breakfast, marathons, yoga classes, anything that kind of improves the mood, anything could be done around that. But there's much more that could be done, of course, if we look at well-being. How can companies set their teams up for success when it comes to implementing health and well-being programs? We see 
and our clients as well and our um, friendly companies, let's put it this, w- this way, where we have our experts. There are a lot of initiatives, but they, for some reason, for many reasons, do not lend. And uh, in, coming from my own expertise and practice, I would say there are four components which needed to be taken in consideration for an initiative in health and well-being to lend. First of all, it's awareness of what people need. So not some generic solutions that just let's put a fruit bowl in a canteen and hope that it encourages a well-being of people. Well, it might work for some people, but not necessarily for the other. Building on that, so awareness of what your people need. And that is connected to communication. So it's important to talk about it and really understand, listen and understand what do your do what do employees really need the third component i would say is consistency because it's important to run an initiative and um, have it in i don't know several months at least or half a year or there needs to be some consistency so you can measure the effect because if you do do just once i mean there might not be that much of an impact Mm-hmm. So consistency is really important. And the fourth component, um, I would say experts. So to in- inviting people who can share uh, their knowledge, who have their deep expertise in certain topics. So again, awareness, communication, consistency, and experts. Uh, because as I said, generic initiatives might not work. So it's important to understand why you offer what you offer. And so the employees really ask for it. Do you have any examples of companies that are getting workplace well-being right? <laughs> and uh, first of all, I'd like to share a little bit of statistics because, again, we've done the research so we understand the market a bit more <laughs> uh, because you cannot always, of course, rely on um, these numbers without connecting them to the reality. But what, what's interesting is uh, workplace well-being initiatives are actually, it's a bit of a, I would say luxury, according to research done by Global Wellness Institute, only 9% of the global workforce has access to some form of well-being program at work. That's not a lot, only 9% worldwide. In Europe, the situation is a little bit better. It's actually 23% of European workforce that has access to some form of well-being program at work. I mean, there could be different reasons. Maybe there are strong work communities uh, here in Europe that protect work rights, which is great. But yeah, it's still only 23%. I would like to state that it's very dangerous, and I see that in my experience, to prescribe before proper diagnosis, right? We, we don't go to a doctor and just ask for a pill for something, like I have a headache and just give me a pill. Uh, it doesn't really work this way, a, a proper professional who would first run a diagnosis, uh, ask for your blood test, et cetera, et cetera, and then give you a prescription. So I'd like to treat that question the same way. I mean, I'm not a doctor of well-being, but <laughs> still um, I would give advice with caution because uh, well-being is such a subjective topic. So something that works for me, like a fruit bowl in canteen, could work really well, but for you it might may mean nothing whereas yoga class is something that you would love but there are some examples and my favorite examples are actually very untypical so for example uh, asana they on top of providing of course yoga at workplace or 
fitness, uh, etc., and all, all sorts of fruit bowls. So the regular uh, stuff, I would say, it's something that we see very often. Um, they also have Wednesdays without meeting. It's a work ethic. I think it's fantastic because you just agree that Wednesdays are for getting things done and we do not interrupt ourselves, uh, each other with having calls. It is not necessarily influencing your well-being. Well, di- not directly, I would say, but indirectly. So these initiatives are my favorite, like really protecting work ethics, no emails after 6 p.m., for example. Another company, which I unfortunately forgot the name, but they have quiet hours. So like in the office, but before pandemic days, days, of course, before the lockdown, they would introduce quiet hours. So it's just from 9 till 12. Nobody calls anyone. We just do work, which yeah. I think is fantastic. Another, my really favorite initiative is from company Timberland, the shoes. And actually Salesforce does the same. So they pay for volunteering days. So you can choose which uh, organization you want to join as a volunteer. In the case of Timberland, I think it's one day a month uh, or something that they offer that we will pay you same amount of money. So you will get, like, don't worry, but you can go and volunteer one day to whatever organization that you want to join. They actually introduced it in, uh, I believe, 1992. And I think it's a, it's a fantastic initiative. So again, it's not directly, it might seem not obvious that, oh, we actually didn't do anything for employees for their direct health. But the sense of belonging and sense of contributing to the world and thanks to the company that allows a healthy environment for that, I would say it directly it's the best way to improve well-being. I do like this idea of a no-meeting Wednesday. I think it's hard for people to really know when to shut off. And maybe having your employer check in on you on that Wednesday instead of your typical meetings is a better use of time, especially in the situation we all find ourselves in now. I know that I recently spoke to a recruiter who implemented a uh, a day where uh, no employee was really allowed to mention the words coronavirus or COVID-19 or any words that had any sort of negative associations that could potentially bring people down. And I thought that was actually a pretty good way of just focusing on people's well-being. And I thought it was kind of smart in a way because all of our uh, conversations seem to be heading in that direction anyway. So it's nice to just um, divert and focus on other aspects of people's mental health and find out how they're actually getting on with the current situation. And we should be encouraging more initiatives that uh, encourage positive habits. Um, So yeah, it was interesting to get your insights on that. The example that she gave, um, it reminds me of another client of ours, they introduced uh, about treating corona contacts, let's put it this way. They introduced an initiative where um, they developed a framework with certain uh, questions where people would share their stories of how they went through uh, corona times. So first month, what they were facing, what were the problems, what were the realizations, then month number two, etc. And they uh, would create time and space for a team to just one by one, share the story and get a little bit closer and open up. It's very strong team building exercise of sharing, yeah, 
how you went through this journey because it was a challenge for everyone in one way or the other. So yeah, just getting creative and really listening to people and what they need and introducing initiatives with, that would solve these problems and not just generic ones, I think is a recipe for success. Well, I think you just answered my next question, uh, but what work activities can help improve employee well-being? Do you have anything else you'd like to add? I would say taking breaks, really being disciplined about it for uh, even going for a walk. I mean, it, it depends on your situation. If you have, I don't know, if you can leave your workplace and um, well, you can work in, walk uh, in a, an apartment because that really gives you a mental break and uh, helps you switch, cool down a little bit. I think that's one tool or one activity that I would highly recommend, but unfortunately nobody does it. Well, at least not many people do it because they think, oh, why would I spend 15 minutes walking? I need to get this thing done. But it is the benefit of it is incredible. And maybe breathing also. Just you don't have to meditate. You don't have to. If you don't like that, it's fine. But take a moment for yourself and breathe. Because before that, if we think of office life, what did we do when we got stuck and, or something was not working out? We were tired. We would stand up and just go to a water cooler or coffee machine and just switch environment and um get a break. So now, because we don't have that, we don't have our typical offices, you have to create those habits, recreate them for yourself. Before that, you were not noticing it necessarily because everyone just would do it. Whereas now, uh, maybe like people work from home, they really need to pay a little bit more attention to that and be conscious about their work routines. Yeah, I think if this year has taught us anything, it's to um, slow down and make sure that we do take breaks as part of our routine. Um, just moving on to the next question, uh, I just wanted to find out from you, how do you think companies can make sure they're running their wellness programs as effectively as possible? Again, and uh, I would refer to the four points that I uh, mentioned earlier, uh, one of them in particular that would be communication, to really ask, to talk to people how they see it, how they, uh, if they're not joining, why are they not joining? What is what is done in their way? Maybe they're not interested. Really just keep communication active. <laughs> and then you would find out. Because uh, uh, in, in one of our clients, they introduced like a healthy week initiative uh, where they would every day do something, some some health healthy thing like uh, cooking breakfast together, doing yoga together, etc., uh, etc. Et and of course, not everybody joined. And the answer was very simple because some people just didn't like yoga; they never did it. And it's very difficult to start doing yoga without a teacher, just out of the blue, right there in front of your laptop. So yeah, you might want to understand the context of your people and what they actually like and offer something that serves them. Yeah. Do you think there's a way that employers can be more active in monitoring their staff's well-being? You mentioned regular check-ins uh, about just how you're doing surveys. 
if anyone is interested, they can approach Quan and we have a fantastic survey based on the five dimensions that I mentioned earlier. Uh, we exactly provide that, uh, how to check, um, to, to monitor well-being of an employee of a team. And yeah, it can be done quarterly, etc. It, it, it really is helpful. And one more, I would say, reading body language, um, because that is something that we might want to start paying more attention to because we can see um, each other online. And uh, although there's not much, of course, you only see like a head and uh, shoulders, but it is possible to read if a person is feeling okay, sad, uh, or happy, well, whatever it is, yeah. it is possible. Just a little bit more awareness towards that. Are there any free resources that companies can use to improve workplace well-being? First of all, there are tons of resources out there uh, at the moment. It's really just pick one and being consistent with it. Although there are plenty of resources, again, more often than not, it we really lack communication and uh, facilitated discussions around that. You can pick any tool that you want, but if you just issuing the results and that's it. The initiative is done right there. There's not much benefit from it, I would say. That's why, uh, again, in Quan, uh, we do the survey, but then there's debrief with a team, debrief with a team lead, because it's important to explain what the results mean and actually use this, again, whatever survey you use, because there are tons out there, but to use it as, an, as sort of an icebreaker and finding common ground of the group dynamics that are happening right there and give it to people as an excuse to speak up because it's very difficult to start talking about uh, well-being or health, mental health challenges just right there out of the loop because unfortunately at the moment we don't have that well it's not that typical to talk about it it, it, it is perceived as a vulnerable topic it, it is perceived that maybe it's like oh you failed with not being able to keep up, whereas it's not, it's not a personal failure. It's we're it's a huge crisis that we're facing right now, and some coaches and therapists say that those the the things that are happening right now in people's minds will be discussed in therapies for years and years ahead. Oh, wow. That will be something like that will be big. So just introducing the language and allowing to be vulnerable. Well, of course, that has to come from a team. If we're talking, uh, if we look at a team or, or an organization, has to talk, come from the top because you cannot overcome the limitations of uh, your team lead or your manager if he or she is not using that language. It would be very difficult for a team member just to open up and talk about it. Yeah. Okay. Um, Katya, we're, we're almost out of time. I just wanted to ask you if you had any last words for our listeners on workplace well-being. Just take breaks and protect your routines and we'll get through it. It will be okay and talk about it. Maybe, maybe that's the last thing that I would like to tell or encourage people to really share and be vulnerable about this topic. Katja, thank you so much. Thanks again for joining us on the Talent Acquisition Innovators Radio. We hope you enjoyed the episode. And of course, if you did, feel free to share it on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, or wherever you're most active. And if you'd like to be updated on when our next podcast is going to be released, 
you can sign up at blog.recruity.com slash podcast. See you in the next one.